welcome to episode 20 of the Legacy Video Lounge. I'm your host, Steve Pender. I'm a personal historian and video biographer and president of Family Legacy Video Incorporated in Tucson, Arizona. You can visit Family Legacy Video on the web at familylegacyvideo.com. The topic for this podcast is Life Story Legacies, True Stories About Sharing Values and Preserving Wealth. And if you're a high net worth individual or you're in a position to leave a substantial inheritance to the next generation of your family, uh, what my guest and I have to share should be of interest to you. And we'll get started right after this. My grandparents started our family business with a used truck and a dream. Now we have a fleet. And when my kids join the company, their great-grandparents are going to tell them how it all began, thanks to Family Legacy Video. Now you can share your life stories in a custom legacy video your family will cherish. To learn more, visit FamilyLegacyVideo.com or call 520-743-4090. That's 520-743-4090. FamilyLegacyVideo.com. The oldest members of the baby boom generation have started to retire, and because of that, the United States is now in the midst of the biggest transfer of wealth from one generation to another that the country has ever seen. But according to Barclays Wealth Insights, history has shown that 70% of family wealth fails to transfer to the third generation. 70%, that's pretty staggering to me, and one of the main causes of this failure is not improperly preparing an estate for transfer to your heirs. It's not preparing your heirs to appreciate and properly manage your estate, to be aware of the history behind it and to share in a, a family vision that will shape their stewardship of your family wealth moving forward. In the next few minutes, my guest and I will share some real life examples of how our clients have used life story legacies in both video and print formats as communication tools to pass along the values and visions surrounding family wealth to the next generations of their families. If you're currently considering ways to help your family wealth survive for generations to come, hopefully these stories will inspire you to think of ways you can tell your story and pass along your values. So without further ado, let me introduce my colleague and guest. She's Stephanie Cato Tarras, PhD. Stephanie is an author and personal historian. She lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and it's there she started her company, Timepieces Personal Biographies, in the year 2000. And you can find Timepieces Personal Biographies on the web at timepiecesbios.com. Stephanie works with clients who want to tell their stories, hire a writer to work with family members, or document their organization's history. She produces beautiful limited edition books and also audio-only packages. And her 2013 memoir in Social History of West Virginia, titled Mountain Girls, won a West Virginia Writer's Book Award. And her 2008 history of Eckerd College, won an independent publisher's book award known as an Ippy. <laughs> I like that name. And what I like about Stephanie is that she's down to earth. And even though she has that PhD after her name, she doesn't insist I call her doctor. So <laughs> Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Steve. Definitely don't call me doctor. Thanks for <laughs> inviting me to join you to have this conversation. Uh, you're quite welcome. It's a, it's a pleasure for me. Uh, you know, 
it seems to me, based on the information I just delivered, that the high failure rate with transfers of generational wealth is largely due to a lack of communication about the origins of the wealth and the values driving the ancestors who created it in the first place. Uh, let's say, you know, one, one possible example, let's say your grandparents started a business and made a success of it and then handed it over to their children who continue to build the company and amass a good deal of wealth. But, you know, now maybe you're heading towards that third generation of kids and, you know, they're used to living that affluent high net worth lifestyle. They've, they've never really been involved in the business and, and don't care to take it over maybe. And for them, the family money has always been there and they've become disconnected from the quote-unquote, you know, origin story. And and because of that, the family fortune may be at risk because they don't really understand its worth or how to best use it. And as I said, that's just one hypothetical, but Stephanie, I guess two questions for you to start off. Have you worked with affluent families facing these kinds of challenges? And can you give me an example or examples of how your clients use life story projects to bridge this wealth communication gap? Yes, um, I have worked with with families that have, um, you know, been maybe to that third generation of having wealth in the family, and definitely one of the main reasons that they decided to do a book project with me was because they wanted to be sure that the story of where the money came from of the values that they and maybe their um, parents uh, have, you know, sort of tried to live by in relation to that wealth gets passed along, um, and that they uh, also want the next generations to understand their responsibility with that money. So everybody that I've worked with, and I should clarify that I am not myself a high net worth person, so I can only share my perspectives based on what my clients have talked to me about this is obviously a really personal and emotional topic um, that I can only give kind of the outsider's perspective on. Um, but they they want, um, you know, to make sure that their next generations understand that philanthropy is important, that giving back is important, that they still feel connected to the larger society and don't let their comforts keep them from being aware of the needs in the communities in which they live. Um, And, you know, those are kind of challenging things to communicate in a a summary document as compared to, you know, just living by example the way that they want the next generations to live. So I know that they definitely use my services to help them try to figure out a way to summarize all of that, but often it's to tell the stories about the ways in which they made choices that then become the example for the next generation. Sure, and that's a great point because it's not a matter with projects like these of, you know, just sitting down and and creating, like you said, a summary document saying, okay, here's what I believe, here's what you should do. (laughs) You know, the stories themselves are are instructive, aren't they? Yes, exactly. That's right. And so, you know, it really does start with that that story, the origin story, sort of as we talk about in superhero comics or whatever. You know, that the how they went from nothing to something. I mean, almost everybody that I've worked with um, knows either from their own experience because they're the one who made the money, or knows their parents' story um, of of how they were, you know, just 
an ordinary citizen with a dream or an opportunity and nothing extra in the bank account, and then how that uh, business idea or perseverance or education that turns into, you know, a, a career really took the family to that next level financially. And that's the first thing that they want to share with the next generations is, you know, if you've always grown up with the money, you really need to understand that it wasn't just always there and that there is an interesting story behind how the family obtained it. And usually there's a lot of values communicated in that story, right, about hard work and not giving up and, um, you know, believing that uh, what you are doing is worthwhile and also immediately feeling a sense of responsibility as the money starts to come in of how you're going to share and include other people in the good fortune that you are, um, you know, coming across. So that comes through, I think, in that origin story. What, what have you found, Steve, in, in the way your clients have told that original story? You know, I think it uh, it mirrors a lot of what you just described. And I'll, I'll tell you what, let me give you an example. As you have, I've met a lot of just amazing people with, with just incredible uh, business stories and rags to riches kinds of things. And, uh, and, and here's one of them. Now, for instance, this gentleman I worked with a couple of years ago, he grew up in poverty, uh, literally just, you know, they didn't know where the next meal was going to come from. And, you know, his family relied on, on, you know, the goodwill of relatives and their church and whatever to, to get by. And, you know, like a lot of, uh, a lot of kids do, I, I know I started this way too. Uh, he, he finally got old enough where he, he wanted to try to make a little bit of money and started selling newspapers, you know, and he was, he was in a city uh, where he, he first started out the typical news, newspaper boy on the street corner hawking papers. And, you know, he did have some drive because he wanted to grow his newspaper uh, business, sell more papers. And so he and a buddy went to a nearby hospital where there was more foot traffic and they sold more papers there. But uh, he, he then wanted to grow it further. And the only way you could get a bigger route was to get a bike. And he was too poor to just go out and buy a bicycle. And so what he did was he started saving his money. And he, as he could afford it, he, he went out and he bought one piece at a time, you know, a pedal here, a chain there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he eventually had enough parts to put together a bike. Of course, none of them matched, but uh, so he had this kind of hybrid bike that he'd pedal around with, but it, but it worked. And, and so he was able to grow his newspaper business that way. But of an important part of his story, it was very much wrapped up around mentors and mentorship and people he met along the way in his life that taught him important life lessons. For instance, I, I won't give you all of them, but the very first one he encountered was the district manager for the newspaper uh, that he worked for. And this guy, uh, a lot of the kids that I guess delivered papers or sold papers for him. Uh, they were disadvantaged, just like my client was. And uh, he, he did really nice things for them. He, he, he formed them into baseball teams, for instance. And out of his own pocket, he bought shirts for all the kids. That was an example of giving back to the community that, that my client learned early on. Um, again, from this man who worked mul multiple businesses. I think he ran a bakery and 
built homes and you know and and my client worked with him at the bakery and once he, the guy had cans up above <laughs> the stoves or the ovens where he had the kids put their money and so they learned the value of saving and thrift and so at the end of the year wow they had all this money and they could buy nice christmas presents or do whatever ever else they wanted with it so that was an early example and as he went through his life he ran into other mentors people that kept him out of trouble when he was in high school because he you know he could easily have gone in another direction uh, he went into the army and and got into electronics training there were people that helped him there and then when he got into business he you know he he encountered other mentors who helped him progress in business until he actually decided he was able to to launch his own and he launched a business uh, at his kitchen table and built it into a a multi-million dollar affair and but he had children that weren't interested in the business. So, okay, he's just sold it because the family doesn't want to continue it. He's got a fortune on his hands now. What do you do? So he wanted to start a family foundation, which he did. And recognizing the roles that education and mentorship played in his life, he wanted his uh, foundation to focus on educating and mentoring for disadvantaged youth in his in his community and the surrounding communities and in order to kind of cultivate his values in his children he brought them onto the board and you know so that was great but you know he was at business a lot they didn't really know his whole story so we created a a video biography or a legacy video in which he told his story and we also brought in thankfully we had lots of photos and articles about him and his business, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we were able to create a personal documentary, this legacy video in which he told his story and uh, about these great mentors and how his values developed. And, and then moving forward, you know, how he would like to see his wealth benefit his his community and, and his family. So, you know, it laid out these experiences and his philosophy of giving back to the community and now his children know that story, and they, because of that, they were able. To, he was able to get their buy-in because without the family buying into the foundation, you know, the next generation's buying in. It certainly wouldn't have had a very long life, you know. And now his children and their children will be able to to watch and listen to him telling his story, and they'll be able to get that that grounding in gee why they're doing what they're doing with the family wealth. So. Uh, but again, it's that story, like you were talking about, that origin story of how the family wealth came to be. And, you know, now that the having the, the, this, the, the next generations understand that, again, as you said, leads to that, you know, leads to that acceptance of the responsibility of, you know, just how that wealth came about and what it means. Do you have any examples like that, something you can relate yeah, the idea of a family foundation, I've come across that too in, in the families I've worked with where they've already set that up. And, you know, to have something like the video you're talking about to help pass along the story behind the foundation is just fabulous, I think, for future generations. I also had a client who had a tradition of earmarking um, a certain amount of money from the foundation for each of their grandchildren to give um, away to some charity. And their tradition was to have a um, meeting once a year where the grandfather, who was the one who started the foundation, and his grandchildren would sit around and 
the, each grandchild had to make a little mini presentation about what charity they chose and why they chose it and showed that they'd done a little research about the mission and the overhead and all of the charity. Um, and then, you know, the foundation would then make a, a gift um, from that grandchild. And I just thought, and it, you know, the cool thing was they actually invited me to come and sit in on one of these meetings and take some notes and use that in the story of the book that we were writing. You know, and it's sort of toward the end because obviously it's like this is a present-day story about the family as opposed to, you know, the whole background and, and the, the life history of the grandfather. But it made such a nice kind of wrapping up of the whole history to say, okay, and here is a way in which we're, you know, really actualizing what it is that we believe and pa passing it along to the next generation so that hopefully, you know, in the future, other ones who read it could say, oh, that's a tradition that we should continue or start back up if they lose that, you know, to really have a sort of a shared um effort to teach the next generation because these were kids you know maybe age 15 to 25 or something and that's the perfect age to sort of teach them about how to you know decide what organizations they want to give money to and and to make good decisions along those lines so I thought that was really a, a cool thing to add to a, a family history and um, another thing that it made me think of was in a different family I interviewed the husband and wife about their perspectives on how to teach their children about the family's wealth and what to do. And they had very different perspectives as a husband and wife about, you know, how much control to maintain with their descendants versus how much freedom to give them while they were still alive to, you know, kind of have some influence over how the the adult children were using the money and we ended up putting both of their perspectives and arguments into the book so that the kids could see that parents weren't completely in agreement about the right way to do it because there is no one right way, right? You just have to sort of, there's a lot of trust and hope involved in passing along the family's wealth. Um, but the, then their adult children could see that their parents really wrestled with this and really wanted the best for outcome for the family and for the legacy. And that, you know, we put all of that in the book so that they could really see how complicated this is and how much both of their parents really cared about it coming out right. And I thought that was a pretty cool um, and unexpected kind of addition to the story. It is very cool. Um, I think the important thing, I think, as these projects point out, is that at least you provide the next generation with the foundation that they need to start making their own decisions. And, and obviously it's not just about philanthropic giving. It is definitely also about just how you live your life. Um, you know, and all of the people that I've worked with are very happy that they have the kind of resources to pass along so that their children and grandchildren will have comfortable lives. You know, there's no question that they want them to feel comfortable spending some of the money in order to feel secure and, um, you know, and able to follow some dream that maybe, you know, would be difficult to do if you had to scratch out a living day to day. But at the same time, through telling stories like, um, you know, our mom would never let us sign up for any raffles because she figured other families would could use that prize, you know, more than we could. Or we would go on really awesome vacations, but then we would be instructed not to, to tell our peers about it when we went back to school because we wouldn't want to make anybody else feel bad or jealous that they 
you know, didn't get to go to Europe or whatever. You know, I mean, some of it is just helping the next generations to see, yeah, you are privileged and you can enjoy it, but you also need to recognize that not everybody is as fortunate as you are and not to, you know, be unaware of that. Um, you know, I think that that is helpful to do through stories, again, rather than just like a sort of a preaching um, kind of commentary in a book or a video. One other story that one of my clients told me was the actual history of their estate planning. So they told the story of their grandfather who had been the one who made the wealth and who also really smartly set up the first trusts in the family and did all of this, you know, 10 years before he passed away so that he made sure that, you know, they were, you know, obviously one wants to reduce one's tax burden, um, but also to make sure it's not confusing about how things get passed along and who is expected to take care of what. And they told that story about their grandfather very proudly so that they could then say, we continue to be a family who's really good at estate planning and keep it going with each generation, with each new marriage, with each new baby, um, you know, really saying in the in the, the work of this book that is going to be passed along, don't forget that, you know, estate planning is important and our family has a long history of doing that well. Sure, absolutely. And I think that that also circles back to the point about a vision, you know, whether it's wrapped up around estate planning or philanthropy or whatever it happens to be, you know, just like if you're going out to start a new business venture and you need to get buy-in from investors, you know, the same applies to the family wealth. You know, if you if you have a vision, you need to get succeeding generations to buy into it. You know, in projects like these, again, through the telling of your life stories are just a wonderful way to do it. And, you know, I find that again and again, and, and I'm sure you do as well. That's right. That's exactly where it really all comes down to, right, is that the opportunity to tell the origin story, to talk about the philanthropy, to give advice to the kids is all um, goes back to, you know, yes, even in a family, we have a vision of who we are and what kind of position we want to take in the community. Um, and so when you think, oh, you know, I am a member of this family and, you know, naming your last name, when I say, oh, I'm a Cadle, you know, that means something in our family. Um, and, it, and it speaks very directly to certain values of hard work and community leadership. And, um, you know, all of that is true in every family. And so I think, you know, using these kinds of products to help those elders in the family communicate what that name and its uh, purpose means really does, I think, send a great and not just powerful but also inspiring message to the next generation. So, yeah, I don't want to be the one who lets that reputation down. You know, that, that I think is, is a really important part of the process of what we do. Well, Stephanie, I, I, this has been a great discussion, and uh, yeah, just to any folks who are listening, if if you want a, a fantastic book, Stephanie's the one to call. Timepiecesbios.com, on familylegacyvideo.com, or talk to your wealth advisor about incorporating a life legacy video or book into your estate planning and get a project underway. So that's it for this segment of the Legacy Video Lounge. If you have any questions or comments, please email them to me at steve at familylegacyvideo.com. And if you'd like the podcast, I invite you to subscribe. Until next time, I'm Steve Pender, reminding you that everyone has a story. Isn't it time you told yours? Music